what's so cool about those moments that you, it's just so real because you're basically now in a huge moment that's going to impact your life and your career. And it's just you. And you're, and you're just like, Nikki, we're either going to swim or we're going to sink here. And I think there's just such a beautiful moment of taking that leap of faith of trusting yourself and just like, ah, like, let's see what we can do. And I think about every big moment in my life and it has always come back to that of like, all right, man, like, let's see what we can do. Yes. Welcome back to A Sharper Life. I am your host, Nikki Sharp, and I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode. So I just got off the interview with Alex Weber, who is an international speaker, award-winning host, and competitor for NBC's American Ninja Warrior and acclaimed author. But that's the bio that he sent me. Let me go a little bit deeper about who he is because he's pretty damn phenomenal. So Alex is a highly acclaimed speaker on leadership and peak performance, helping people overcome obstacles, realize their fullest potential, and achieve record-breaking success. He's an award-winning performer for NBC, the Discovery Channel, and FX, in case that wasn't enough amazing things he's doing. And today, we're talking about why failing is the best thing that you can do in this moment. We're talking about the importance of committing and not just trying to do something and the behind the scenes of being a host and competitor for an, a very, very popular TV show and what it looked like to be on TV because it's not what you think. Now, before we jump into the interview, I want to just let you know about the Ultimate Transformation Program. It is coming up on March 18th. And if you'd like to know anything more about it, I will put it in the show notes along with Alex's details and everything you can find that we talk about. But very quickly, the Ultimate Transformation Program is my four-month program that is literally transformational. It is a money-back guarantee. If you participate and you don't see results, well, you get your money back. But here's the thing. I've actually never had one single person have this because it is a formula that I have created. It's a community that you're going to get, and you are going to have complete and radical shifts and transformations in all areas of your life. But go ahead and check out the link in the show notes, because I want to get onto this interview as it is so ridiculously good. So without further ado, here's Alex Weber. Alex, so thrilled to have you here. And we're just going to jump straight in. So you are on American Ninja Warrior, known as the most difficult competition on earth. So you started out as a host and then you started competing. So for those listening or watching, can you share about the show, what it takes to win and just your overall experience? Yeah, you know, it's... Um first off, so fired up to be here with you. And I know we'll talk about it. We first met like six years ago doing a podcast and it's just been so cool to see uh, your journey and to share in each other's throughout these years. So pumped to be here. And uh, absolutely. And thank you. Oh, yeah. So NBC American Ninja Warrior is a absolutely phenomenal world. And I often use that term world because it is not only a Emmy nominated TV show in its 15th year, and not only known around the globe, it's also a sport uh, that kids train at, that gyms have opened up around the country and the world. I've trained with American Ninja Warriors in Hungary at a, at a gym near Budapest. Like it's a, um, and it's so intense. Uh, it's so intense. Every aspect of it is intense and beautiful and challenging and. You know, it has given me more joys and heartbreaks and challenges and stretched me more than anything else in my life. Um, and the series to do it, you got to, you know, fly around on these obstacles in the air. And that's incredibly difficult. But even to get on the show is incredibly hard because you have to be dedicating your life to really honoring the training of it. And then you have to get selected, which is not. That, that isn't a guarantee. 
And there's been times when I have been and times when I haven't. But before all of that, I was actually a host. So I was doing TV hosting in LA and stand-up comedy. And I loved it. And it felt very... I was like, okay, I'll just be like a broier Ryan Seacrest. Like, this is... I could do this. This is great. <laughs> but before that, you know, I played D1 college lacrosse. I actually won US Lacrosse Coach of the Year. And that whole chapter was before TV hosting and stand-up comedy. And I, I always felt like there was a whole part of me that I wasn't using or accessing in TV hosting and even stand-up comedy. But then with American Ninja Warrior, I got to host this series, which was not only entertainment, but it was sports and it was people and it was uplifting and these stories of inspiration and overcoming tragedies. And it, it felt so whole. And then this is really important. When I was hosting, my identity, and identity is so powerful. Identity is what we believe to be true about ourselves. And that can be informed by other people. It can be informed by life events. It can be informed by nature, mm -hmm. nurture, God. But it's what you believe is true about you. My identity was a former athlete. I played D1 college across. It was my everything. And then it ends and everyone goes, oh, you're a former athlete. And my soul would die a little bit when they said that. But I was like, I guess that's just what society is. And that's fine. So when I first started hosting for NBC American Ninja Warrior, part of the job was not only doing all the hosty host stuff, but to try the crazy obstacles and just fail for everyone's entertainment. And, and just to yeah. interrupt you really quickly on that, can you talk just really briefly about like what these sort of obstacles are? I've seen the show. I'm sure a lot of people haven't. And just yeah. knowing that this is one of the world's hardest competitions, like how long is... Because I know it's, I think it's like 30 minutes or an hour long, but it's not like when you're competing, you're not competing the whole hour long. You get long. one go. You get one go. Yeah. And if you do well enough, you get another go. And if you do well enough, you get another go on increasingly more challenging and unknown courses. And also it weeds down. So you have to get farther and faster. So every part of it, that's why, you know, I often say it's one of the most intense things on the planet. It's just every piece of it is as intense as possible, which is awesome. Like, What an incredible thing to have where something really challenges people at such an intense level. And uh, yeah, so the obstacles are these dangling and spinning, you know, you gotta... Why I also love the sport is because it's very alive. Like I played college across, I played, uh, we were state champs in hockey, I played tennis. I've, I, I love, I'm a jock, I love sports. American Ninja Warrior is alive. Like the obstacles, you don't know what they're going to be. And the community is always trying new things to the point that people will be in the gym and they're obsessed athletes. So they're just training into the wee hours of the night and someone will try something. And that thing that they try will be absolutely bonkers crazy. And they'll post it onto social media and everyone will be like, whoa, that's nuts. And then every gym tries to do it and every athlete obsesses. And fast forward a week, it's now standard stock absolutely everyone should be able to do this. And a week ago, wow. it was bonkers crazy. And and the series is very aware of this. And so their obstacles are always growing and creative and and you don't know what they're going to be. And so I, I, I love the sport so much because of how hard it is and because of how creative it is. And you just... I've done, you know, weightlifting and I've run, I did a Tough Mudder and I've done Spartan and I love all of those. And I played college across and I love that so much. But Ninja Warrior, uh, it challenges you. You got to be so strong and so creative and so finesse and so fluid that I just, I'm in awe of the top competitors. And um, yeah, I mean, my arc with it was when I was this goofy host failing, I would get up on these obstacles in front of the TV producers, in front of all the athletes that I looked up to, in front of fans, in front of TV cameras, and I would try them and I would fail. And my first season, that was like, job well done because it was comedic. It was entertaining. Right. But entertainment. They, yeah. But then they discovered that it actually played better in the series if I was actually good at the obstacles. So now, basically overnight, I had to get good at these impossible things. And that is so much, you know, I've, I've published a book and I speak uh, at organizations, keynote speaking, and so much of it, I share the lessons from that year because basically I had to get good at this impossible feat in not a lot of time. And the lessons of just showing up with the best people, like who, to you listening, whatever you want to do, just find who are the best people and try to get in their orbit. And then I call it hunger and humility. Like that's your hunger side. 
And then you got to have humility of you're going to screw up. Yeah. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be frustrating. But so often we stop right there because, dang, this is tough. And the judgments and the humiliation and the frustration. But if you just have some humility, call it grace, call it honoring yourself, call it self-love of just showing up and being a little gentle as you're working your booty off, that ultimately is what everything is because you start to pick up your head in a day, a week, a month, and you're like, dang, I'm kind of okay at this. And then you pick up your head in a day, a week, and a month, and you're like, I'm not terrible. I'm getting pretty good at this. And so, but so often our minds or our emotions stop us from ever getting to that point. Wow. I mean, it, just your whole journey, it's, it almost reminds me of what the Olympics is like of, you don't know if you're going to get picked mm -hmm. and you work your ass off to do it. You go on TV, it's part entertainment part, you know, for you, I'm my mother went to the Olympics 1984 wow. in LA and talk about a journey to get there. And it sounds yeah. like this is that, that training, but combined into you know, TV is short series, you know, on once a week. And just also, as you said, the community, which I love. Mm -hmm. But I, before we move on, and I really I'm excited to talk about failure and the importance yeah. of it, because you and I have similar stories in that. Yeah. But I want to get a little, I don't know, what shall we say the drama because you know, okay. the TV world, <laughs> you, you know, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you're aware of this from the outside. It looks like you have it all right. You, you, could be defined as a celebrity. I think you look like one. You are one. You're right. you're famous in your own right. Been on TV, NBC. That's a pretty big deal. You have a book. You're doing all these amazing things, keynoting. So your face is being shown on millions of TVs across the the world. I'm sure. And I want to know, like, take us behind the scenes. Like, what's it mm. really like to be a host, a competitor on that show, the drama? Like, what really happens <laughs> behind the camera? I love it. What a great, what a great question. You're a rock star. That's such a, a such a more uh, fun and honest and uh, illuminating question. And, you know, you're kind of stirring up memories in me of when I was TV hosting, it's laughable to say this, but it's the truth. I was nervous talking in front of people. So, okay, now I'm TV hosting, but I remember back to those moments and you know what I would be thinking? I'd be thinking, what is the cameraman thinking? Does he like me? I hope he's having a good day. Does he think I'm doing a good job? I would get so nervous. And so now I'm not only... So if I was like in front of one or two people, I was okay. This is again, I'm got hired to host for NBC and I'm nervous and self-conscious talking in front of people in this capacity. And then, and it was, and this is just like part of the truth of the American Ninja Warrior. It was, everything is just so big and bold and beautiful. Um, I mean, I love it so much. The, my first day hosting, we were in Atlanta and I was on the course. So there's no hiding. Like I'm on the course, on the obstacles. There's probably a hundred athletes who are waiting to like get a breakdown of the obstacles after we film this thing. All the producers are there. And this is the first like stand up, meaning like first like, hey, welcome to the Crash in the Course of American Ninja Warrior. I'm Alex Weber and I'm your host. The first time doing it of like, we're here and all the producers are looking at me and it's an honest moment of their thinking like, did we get the right guy? because it's still early enough. Like, and it was just one of those. And this is the, for anyone, the middle ground is where so many bad things happen. The middle ground of committing to your health, the middle ground of committing to the relationship, the middle ground of committing to yourself, or even like you want to pitch an idea to your boss or you want to tell a joke at a party. The middle ground is so mucky. But if you just decide, you know what? You're here. You showed up to that work. It gave it your all. You're in this relationship. Give it your all. You decided to open your mouth. Speak with conviction. You did. You decided to do it. So I was just like, you know what, man? You're here. Like, this is either going to work out or it's not. But like, let's let it fly. And you know, I did. And I remember the the uh, the creator Kent Weed, who's become a dear friend, said to me like a year later. He was like, that moment was when he was like, okay, we found the right guy. 
And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, but that, so that was, gosh, there's so many uh, nuanced moments in this. And I, I talked about, you know, how really scared I was when I had to get good now. This is my dream job, hosting for NBC. And then to get good at these obstacles was so daunting and so difficult. And so all throughout that season, I was trying my hardest. And I'm a D1 athlete. It wasn't like sports were new to me, but I was trying my best and I was getting incrementally better. But it's very crystal clear. You either get through the obstacle or you're wet. Even if you get nine tenths through the obstacle, which I was starting to get nine tenths of the obstacle, two thirds, you fall, you get wet, you're wet, dude. You're not on the landing pad dry and made it, you're wet. And that was just so crushing because we would film and then there'd be about two more weeks before the next city or three weeks. So I would just go as hard as I could for two or three weeks, giving everything I had. And then I'd get there and I would, I was getting better, but the result wasn't changing until finally it was the last city. It was Las Vegas. And they had on this huge course, the most biggest, the most biggest, the biggest, most difficult course. They had this really dynamic, cool obstacle. And they're like, Alex, before the TV show, like all the athletes run, we can get one shot of you trying this obstacle. And I got it. And it was one of the, like, it was one of the best moments of my life. And we ended up winning a series. Uh, the series I hosted winned one one best series, the NBC show. And then here's another nuanced moment. I just like actually completed these crazy obstacles that I'd failed for two years on. Wow. And we just won an award. So like the TV host part of me, dream job, whoa. And then they wanted to go out on a high note. So the series wrapped. And I literally went from like peak of the mountain to beneath the ground plummet because now I was like, what? What? Like, I just won an award at my dream job and now I'm unemployed. Like, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Um, but that moment was when I asked myself again, I'm like, okay, what do you want to do with your moments on earth? Which I think I ask myself that often. The first time I was in college, changed my life. So I say that to say, like, the, uh, that question, which I don't think we often answer because it's too scary or big, but it's the most important question because everything we do after that, wake up, get in a car, go to work, eat food, talk to people, all the stuff that we call life. If it's not starting at the root of the answer to that question, what do you want to do with your moments on earth? It's never going to be right for you. So when I answered that question, it was, dude, I think you... Like you feel called to do speaking. Like you come from coaching lacrosse, you're and you come from stand-up comedy and you come from TV hosting. Like this is a, a place where you can put it all together and you feel called to do it. And so that was ultimately the moment driving back after just becoming unemployed from my dream job that laid like everything that is now occurring was from that moment. I mean, what a story. And, you know, here I was looking for some juicy gossip from behind <laughs> the scenes of the TV. And you actually just blew my mind there because it's I think people forget so often that just because you're going to get the dream job or just because you get the raise or just because you, you know, find your soulmate or you get married or yeah. whatever it is, have a kid. It's like that's not the thing that's going to necessarily make you happy. It's this consistent work every mm -hmm. single day. And what I'm hearing, the theme is that one, putting yourself out there and fuck it, be okay to fail. Yep. And just as you did, and the, the bigger you're willing to fail, the further you're pushing your dreams. And, and there's something actually I was, I was not in my head because it, you saying that brought me back to when I was, we were both living in LA at the time mm -hmm. when we first met. And I remember my very first TV show. I got introduced to a producer. My my book was coming out in March. I just I just had the app at this point and uh, for the the five day detox. And I'm sitting next to a producer at this dinner, and she's talking to me. And oh wow, you done this? Da, da, da. And she's like, oh, well, you know, have you done TV before? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course I have. <laughs> Bullshitting through my yeah, ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. And. And I, they're like emailing me and everything. And, and they're like, okay, so we want you to do this and this bullet point, da, 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 da. So I was like, okay, oh my God, I, I have to memorize all these things and have, you know, like the zucchini tied to this one bullet point about like why it's good for you. And, and then I get to the, the set and they're, or they had told me a few days before that I was going to have to create the whole kind of set myself, like put all the food together, everything. Mm. And I was like, 
oh, okay. So then I'm like, oh, you got to make it colorful, flowers, this. So it ended up looking immaculate, yeah. just beautiful, but real and, and colorful. And so here's the funny part. It's it's um, Billy Bush and I'm Kat. Uh, it was Kat, I forget her last name, on Access Hollywood. And I'm like, oh my God, my heart is like in my throat. They're like, okay, you know, three, two, one, counting down. Here I am looking great. I'm going up like, okay, great. And I, I do the whole segment. I don't remember like really any of it. I remember they cut to commercial and I was just like, okay, you're doing all right. Great. Okay. Smile. Yeah. And it, I wasn't even focusing on, on the camera on. It was just like, I just, ta- yeah. I was like a moment of presence. And I, I'm yeah. sure you felt that yeah. where it's just, anyway, so the long story long on that is we wrapped the segment. It was great. Uh, Billy Bush ended up doing my detox. So they invited me back. Oh, and cool. here's the, but here's the kicker of it. I get off the set and the executive or like the main head honcho guy was like, yeah, like very husky voice like that. It was great. And I was like, well, you're not going to believe it. That was my first TV show I've ever done. He wanted to kill me, but also didn't because I did so well that they had me back on. But I I share that because it's, it's similar to, you know, your dream. That was like my dream thing. And it's like, I was like, you're either going to do it or you're going to fail, but you might as well try. There's such a, I love that story so much. And there's such a beautiful moment. And it's, it's one that you and I are both talking about, which is when you have, you are in a situation and you might be like a little over your skis to use that expression. Like it's a bit ambitious for you. But I also, I think of what my buddy, Anthony trucks, who's an amazing uh, speaker and coach says like, you're not there by accident. Like you, you didn't, yes, you might've like white lied about your experience, but also <laughs> you had so many other things going on that those individuals wanted you to be there. And I think that so often in our lives, we find ourselves in situations and we're only focusing on the reason why maybe we don't deserve it or we shouldn't be there. And it's kind of, I'm kind of reminding myself too in the audience, like there's, there might be that reason, yes, but there's probably other, so many other reasons of why you should be there. And what's so cool about those moments that you, it's just so real because you're basically now in a huge moment that's going to impact your life and your career. And it's just you. And you're, and you're just like, Nikki, we're either going to swim, swim or we're going to sink here. And I think there's just such a beautiful moment of taking that leap of faith of trusting yourself and just like, ah, oh, like, let's see what we can do. And I think about every big moment in my life and it has always come back to that of like, all right, man, like, let's see what we can do. Yes. And you talk about this concept of how to fail, and it's what I call failing forward. Mm -hmm. And that actually reminds me of an interview that I heard about uh, Sarah Blakely, the creator of Spanx, where she she talked about at the dinner table with her dad and her brother growing up that her dad would always ask, you know, how did you fail today? And what lessons did did you learn? And so I'd love to know, is that the same sort of concept that you teach or you embody? You know, that's such a, a cool question that uh, they would have at the dinner table. And I don't think any question is right or wrong. You know, I think a lot of my life was geared towards achieving. And I will say, though, I don't think I ever shied away from getting ugly or falling short. But it was always like, I think the school that I went to, the people that I knew, my my my, my family, it was like, do your best and crush it. Like, get the A+. Plus score the goals, like, you know, do well. Um, and I think the trap in that is that if we shy away from opportunities where we're not going to do well and we don't take chances because, oh, it's going to be gross or ugly, especially now when everything could be immortal or posted on the internet or people are going to know about it. But I, I'll say two things. There's worse things than a little regret, or excuse me, there's worse things than a little frustration and embarrassment. And I believe that that is regret. And that is living with this gnawing want in your heart that you never listened to, or you never acknowledged, or you never went after. Um, so really what I encourage people is not, you know, I'm not someone who says like failing is great because I think it's a very visceral experience and it can suck. But I think there's a very big difference between fail and failing. And I will say, and I say in the book, you know, failing is an active verb. It's moving forward. You're, you're getting better. You're attempting. You're doing. Fail is when you tried to do it. Okay. It didn't go great. And you stopped. 
or maybe you tried two times or three times and you stopped. Well, yes, then you can label that a fail. You can put it in the filing cabinet. You can close the door. It's done. It's a fail. But if at any time you open up that filing cabinet and you take out that file called something that I really freaking want to do and you get back at it, well, then you're failing and you're moving forward. And, and it's just if someone is actually committed and really wants something, that's so powerful. But we really have to know if we want it. Like I remember when I was coaching high school lacrosse, there was a kid, Noah. And Noah was a little clunky when I first met him in eighth grade and ninth grade. And I, you know, shooting was, I was good at shooting. So I gave him a couple shooting uh, tips. The next year, Noah was our leading scorer, would score from like 15 yards out, which is like, you, you, like most people score from like seven yards in. He was just ripping the ball, our, one of our best players. And everyone came to me and was like, what are the shooting secrets that you told Noah? And I said, it's not anything that I told Noah. It's that bucket of balls that Noah took out here every afternoon, clunky, 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 a little less clunky, a little better, a little better, a little better until now everyone sees them on the paper and the scoreboard. And I just think in our society, we might be overlooking how freaking beautiful it is to just get out in the grass and get dirty and roll up your arms and whatever it is. And just knowing, like, have trust in yourself, have faith in your ability that if you do anything long enough, how are you not going to get good at it? Truly. You know, it's, you're so on the money with that. And a few different concepts came up as you were talking. One is the 10,000 hours where, mm -hmm. you know, research has shown that if you want to be great at anything, you have to put 10,000 hours yeah. into it. And it's like, I think we as, as adults, because I want to go back to kids on this, we as adults get in our head because of fear of, you know, perceived rejection and fear of what others are going to think and what their opinions might be. And I know you talk about that. So I want to go into it. But it's, you know, if you think about a kid learning to walk, mm -hmm. a little baby, they fall so yeah. many freaking yeah. times. And you think <laughs> about like, okay, you're, you know, when you, then when you, you know, start to, to crawl and then walk and then you're like running and then you fall over and you might cry, but you keep going and then you start learning to ride a bike. And I don't yes. know a single kid that was learning to ride a bike, myself included, where it's like, okay, going, 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 crashed, the really bad crash. And then I was like, nope, that's it. I'm done. Right. I don't, my parents judge me. It's like, it's, it's almost like as we get older and that, that more conscious mind comes, then it's like, oh, yes, but so-and-so is going to judge me. Yes. Yes, you're, you're spot on. And, and the real truth is autonomy because so often, and this is something I talk about in the book, so often when we learn something, it is because a teacher or an authority figure or a parent was there. And even if we didn't want to learn the freaking violin, we had to show up for Tuesday for our appointment. And same thing for so many of the things that now in our adult life, we're like, man, that sucked that I, that Mrs. Baker made me do geometry, but Hey, I know what to try. I know my isosceles now. Like so many of the things that we're grateful for now came from a place of adolescence when someone else made us do it. But then when we get our autonomy, usually around like college age or after, we stop doing those things that are challenging because we don't have to. And the truth is, and I, I talk to a lot of college students too, and I try to communicate this to them, no one really cares what you do. And at the end of the day, as much as a parent or a loved one or someone off the internet might pressure or say you should or urge you to do something, at the end of the day, it is your heartbeats. And the more that we own that, you own your autonomy to, you want to be in a happy relationship, you want to be successful at your job, you want to be a version of yourself that you actually feel good about when you go to bed, man, that's, that's, that's all you. That's all you and you don't have to do it. Yeah, it, it is all you and it's... We're going to shift gears just because you naturally... We're going to bounce a little bit all over and I, this is why I love talking to you. Likewise. And I want to I want to switch gears a little bit on this, but exactly what you were saying—the autonomy. 
I call it taking radical responsibility or mm, radical ownership great. of self yeah. because we're in a place of cancel culture right now yeah. where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know where we're going. <laughs> and it's, it's like, let me blame, let me blame someone else because I'm fat. Let me blame the government because they didn't tell me the right things to yep. you. Let me blame yep. you because of COVID that I got sick. Let me blame, you know, yep. Fauci or this or let me, bl- and, and it becomes a place of like, no one, I don't want to say no one. A lot of people are not autonomous in themselves, their decisions, their own ability to recognize like you own yourself. Nobody like I don't own you. I can't force you mm-hmm. to do something. And the very nature like I always laugh when when my husband and I will get in. I call them crunchy moments when we'll yeah. get in a crunchy moment. And it's if he'll be like, because I've, I've really learned this lesson to take autonomy of my feelings. And I'll hear it be like, he's like, you know, you made me feel this way. And I'm like, damn, I, I'm so glad I have that much power. I feel like God today. I don't say that obviously, but I'm like, I am God if I can control people's feelings. And I I laugh about that now because it's something we've worked through, but I get it. Yeah. So I want to actually go into during the pandemic, you started putting out the best videos that I've seen and they, they became viral and I I wanted to share a few of them. So topics such as literally it was, it's titled (laughs) how to be a people pleaser. And it's obviously a satire, but it's amazing. Go watch it. Then you did another one of the years of like 2019 and 2020 talking to each other. And then another one of pitching 2020 to as a movie concept <laughs> and then you did uh, how to be a conspiracy theorist which yeah. i am a self-proclaimed pl- yep. proclaimed conspiracy yep. theorist who has always been right by the way yep. so i want to talk about narrative versus the truth and like creating mm-hmm. these videos and just this whole conversation on taking ownership and believing whatever you know you're told yeah. Oh gosh, it's so. And I was, uh, I was grateful to do this with you for so many reasons. And the questions that you ask of uh, the behind the scenes and, and the real truth moments of of like our own journeys and not being a highlight reel and and also being able to share because that meant so much to me because I knew we met each other in L.A. and uh, it had seemed like when I started to share videos of what I felt called to speak on, and I'll go into that in a moment most of my LA ties were the the first to stiff arm me and shame me and uh, in their own ways, cancel me. And so considering you and I met in LA and then you, and you have a loud voice um, shared things that I was saying, it really meant a lot um, in a time when some people who really meant a lot were kind of disowning me. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, you're so, I love them, and I, I would, and just to go on that, like, I love anyone who speaks their truth, and mm-hmm. I know everyone, everyone has a different truth. But what I really honor and respect about what you were doing, and with you were taking these videos and making them funny, but teaching people to stop believing everything yep. that you're told and yeah. start thinking for yourself. You know, it's something that I definitely get fired up about, and and you know what I was mainly first saying was how much it meant because of I was blown away. It was really the first time in my life when I saw people, people's emotions and fear capture them so intensely that people they've known for a long time and people that not only they love, but also they've known like my heart, they've known my mind that I'm, you know, and and how quickly I was just shunned. And I want to go to like what caused the shunning. I, you know, started to see some things throughout 2020 and into 2021 that I was just like, my logical mind can't make sense of this. Like, it just doesn't seem to be adding up. And anytime I dig at it, it's either hidden or people are getting banned or censored. And to my logical mind, that didn't add up because we want to live in a time when doctors can debate things and offer any solution, regardless of who's profiting. And the best solution wins so we can save lives and heal people. And when that truth was not happening, and I have experiences with my sister and her journey with Lyme disease. I have experiences with my mom and her journey with cancer and how we've gone to Mexico to get her herbs. We've had to go to Mexico to get her herbs for her cancer treatment because they were outlawed in the States because certain entities don't benefit from those herbs helping people. 
So this was not out of left field for me to start to question some things. I have a track record of this of like, and it's not coming from a desire to do this. It's just coming from like, this doesn't add up. And while this doesn't add up, people are suffering. And then I became one of those people suffering and we're all human beings. And when you start to be uh, when you start to feel it really close to home, then you've got a desire. I have so many people in my life who said, you know what? I've never had a really desire to find out more about this. That's what a luxury, what an absolute privilege and a blessing because you haven't been affected or someone you love hasn't been hurt enough where you got the fire now to find out what the hell's going on. So that digging happened and the fire was in me. But then I didn't want to speak out on the internet because I knew what would happen. I would get shunned by friends. It would affect my work, family, some family members who think differently would distance themselves. So I stayed quiet for about six months. And those six months were the worst months of my life. I couldn't sleep. I was sick to my stomach because really what it felt like was my soul was like, dude, you're here for good. You're on this planet for good and you have a voice and you have skills and ability for good. And because of your own fears, you're not going to help people. You're not going to do good. And so people are going to suffer. And it, it really came to a place of me looking at like, what is my purpose here on earth in this life? What, 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 am, what, am I, what am I doing here? I'm not here to watch Netflix and go work out and get to Friday. Like that's not what I'm here for. And I know this. Okay. So if I'm here to help people and whether that's keynote speaking or the book, how can I sit on the sidelines when so many people are hurting? And so I knew that I had some abilities from hosting and from stand-up comedy that, and that I could make some videos that might resonate with people. And so finally, it got so bad that suicidal thoughts crossed my mind because I, I couldn't sleep and my soul was just like, why aren't you doing this? And so I was like, you know what? Nothing's worse than this. And so I started sharing videos and those went viral and people started to share them and I started to meet more people. And that really went for about a year where ultimately then I really listened and I was like, you know what? I, I don't feel, it feels like this battle has subsided. It, and something I'll say is like, I'm not naive. I know that there's some very bad people in this world and they're very powerful and uh, they're not dumb. And they have patience and means. So I know that this is a war. And if you want to even say a war of good and evil, yeah, that sounds good to me. So the battle seems to subside it. So while it subsides, let's be a nicey nice society. But I guarantee you there's going to be a battle again in the next few years. And um, I'm grateful because I feel like this activated so many lights around the world of souls standing up and finding each other, mm -hmm. Nikki, like you and I of like, Oh snap. So you're out <laughs> you're there too. Them. <laughs> and, and I've you're heard the army thinker. of good. That's, uh, it's literally like you're one yeah, of the, no, exactly. you're just a free thinker. You, you just like to question because isn't that what we were taught growing up? Question things, yes. question science, ask questions. Like literally we yes. were taught ask questions in school. And then here it's like, no, 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 but, but don't ask questions. And it's like, yep, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where you mentioned like, uh, the narrative and it, it, I really attempt when talking about these because people were so conditioned with certain words that we have a conditioned response before we can even talk. So I try to avoid some words because I know those words close off people. My, what I'll say is how many times does someone have to miscommunicate something to you or flat out be dishonest before you stop giving them your trust? And I think if you look at a lot of these big logos that we trusted, whether that was in media or what we should do with our bodies for these last years, like how many times do they have to be dishonest to you before you start questioning the legitimacy of that logo? Yeah. I mean, it is such a fascinating one because I, I had no idea that you were so depressed and, and I'm sorry to hear you went through that, but I'm also grateful that it was the trigger in you that you needed to go through to be like, wait, I'm going to learn something, change something, and then put out these videos, which actually 
gave comedy to a it was like a what the fuck situation and i'm like watching them being like oh these are so good and it's so true because like literally what the fuck and it it's like it kept going on <laughs> and on and on and i remember i i did another interview actually a few weeks ago and i remember telling the gentleman being like i actually didn't hit the anger side or the depressed side until about two years in yeah and i remember it was it was september or a, a year and some in maybe it was september 2021 and that's when it hit me and i was like oh, what the fuck and i was so yeah. angry and that's where my own sabotaging yeah. behavior started coming in and i had to check myself and be like okay what are you going to do with this? Because you can sit here and you know drink yeah. all day if you want. You can sit there and eat if you want. You sure. can do like whatever you want. You can run away. You can go try. Sure. But it's like ultimately, it doesn't really matter what the the mechanism of your trigger then becomes. Like the manifestation of what yeah. the trigger was. It's like yes. that's the gift. That's the opportunity to make a change. And I You're right. I know that you wrote this amazing book and you teach all of these lessons. So I'd love to know what are the five keys to being unstoppable you? <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I love this. I love how many, you know, topics we covered and just to kind of like bridge because it's all related. It is all related. And There's a reason I'm asking that, all of these questions to you guys. <laughs> no, no, it is, it is. And 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 I think like Ultimately, you and I, we love people and we love this life. And what my intention is, is for people to be true to themselves and their hearts. And in doing that, you have to be able to think and you have to be able to decide for yourself what's best. And that is means like decide for yourself if you want to be the top sales individual at your at your organization. That means decide for yourself if you want to change your gender or if you don't want to, but it's just other people may be influencing you. It's all related. And so when it comes to uh, speaking at organizations, I feel so grateful to do it because um, I think over these last years, people really want to embrace their humanity. And so, so many organizations that I go to, they'll say professionally and personally. And when they say that, it like lights me up because we're the same human being. Like you and I doing this podcast with the same human being who are going to go have dinner with a loved one, with the same human being who are going to go, you know, do something professional, same human being. So the first of those keys is just to get clear on what actually matters to you, knowing that most of life does not matter. So what are your like non-negotiables? What are you really want? If that is a revenue mark, if that is uh, a new position, if that is reconnecting with someone you love or getting in the best shape of your life, like what are, what are the real ones you want? The next one is just claiming it, like taking that first little step that it could be possible. And part of that might be rewiring your identity to believe that maybe you could be someone who could do this. The third one, which fires me up a lot is what I mentioned earlier, committing. We're in or we're out. There's no murky water. You're either in the ocean or you're on the shore. And and really just to, if this does matter to you, commit. Fourth is to connect with what supports you, knowing that everything in our life is a variable. So how many variables can you get to be things that are good, that have your best interest at heart? And the fifth one is to understand and realize that this is all a choice and that we don't have to do anything. It's a beautiful gift and a blessing that we get to choose to live this life. We do choose it, that we get to choose to go after our goals and our dreams and our desires, that we get to love other people. Um, and even in the dark times to remind ourselves of how much of a blessing it is. I love those. And I really appreciate that you've broken them down so simply for people to understand. And it's like, mm. commit, you're in or you're out. No, I, I call it the, there is no try. Like I give the example and just for the sake of the, the microphone here, it's like, if I stand up and then I'm like hovering, am I trying to sit down? Like, no, <sighs> you're not sitting down. You either sit down or you're not. There's no trying. And I love that yeah. you're just breaking it down yeah. so, so simply. And I want to also just talk about because you're so passionate and I I love passionate people because it's it doesn't matter what you're passionate about it's 
find passion for something in life because that's what drives you. And that's what you're saying. And what I'm hearing, the the recurring theme over and over, it doesn't matter that you were playing lacrosse or coaching or being a host. It's like you found passion in everything you were doing. And you and I were always growing and evolving. And so you created men we admire yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. based on because of your passion about what's going on with men in society. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it came from a place of it's grown as it's been embraced and challenged over these last two years to more of what's going on in society. But it started from a place of me just feeling sad at the end of 2020. And I can unpack that, but I'm sure you know we've all got our things. I was going through a breakup. I broke my hand. All my work and purpose went away. I, I couldn't do Ninja Warrior. I was escaping through alcohol and just bad choices. And and the thing that is also, I think, really important to say is even with all that, I was still doing pretty good. Like I was still doing pretty darn good. And I think that that is so often the trap is because like when we fall on our face totally, it's like, whoa, we got to clean things up. But if we're still in that pretty good rent land, we could probably keep going. And I felt that, but I also felt like it just isn't, this isn't me. And I'll do this like quarterly. Um, I, it started in college and now it's like kind of a ritual that I do and I'm probably due for one now is I'll just get out of my life. Life is what we wake up and do and it's intense and it's awesome and it's what we do. And sometimes I'll just get out of that for a night or a weekend or a couple of days and I'll just drive somewhere or get a cabin or go to the desert and I'll just get out of my life and then look at my life and who I am and just say like, hey, is this still who I feel like I am? Is this still who I want to be? Is this still the desires that I really want to dedicate my heartbeats to? And if it is, rock on. Let's get back to life. But if it's not, well, why am I going to give another day, week, month, year to doing this? And I, I think those moments of getting out of our life, literally, like physically, to get perspective, I, I really encourage people to do it as a practice. So I did that. And I got, you know, I went to this campfire and I started writing. I'm like, dude, this isn't, this isn't who you want to be. You're close, but this isn't you. I don't admire who you are. So I took out a pen and paper and I wrote men I admire. I've never really used that word admire. And I wrote five names of men in the world and what I admired about him. Like, He's a good family man. He's always true to himself no matter what. He's really a living a life of inspiration, whatever it was. And I got to the fifth name and I got goosebumps. And I'm like, that's what this is. And I took out my phone and I was like, hey, I'm Alex and I'm not a man that I admire and I want to be. And this is who I am. And I said my, all my good things, all my credentials. And I said D1 lacrosse and US lacrosse coach of the year. And I was in a fraternity. Like I've been a guy with the guys my whole life. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm alone in this. I feel like there's a lot of us who want to be better. And that led to what is now Men We Admire, which is a men's group of men who meet every Monday. And now there's a Sunday group and we do in-person retreats and there's guys all over the country. Um, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It's like group therapy with your dude friends. Uh, it's great. And, uh, you know, I will say we have been wildly more embraced than challenged, embraced by our number one advocate. And this is what early on let me know that we're on the right track. Our number one advocate is women. And that to me was like, okay, this is good and important and special because women see it's not just men doing this for their own selfish interests. So much of our woundedness acts itself out with people we love, with our families, with our friends, with our communities, with the world. There's a lot of hurt boys doing things in the world right now with just a lot of powerful means. And I'm going through that too. So I think the last thing I'll say is just like that journey doesn't end. I'm still discovering parts of myself where I'm like, I'm reacting like a 15-year-old right now. Uh, I'm not reacting like who I am or who I want to be. Um, so I don't think that journey ends, but I will say that it's a lot better uh, and less lonely to do it with with other guys. I mean, just wow. And what a, a poignant and powerful place to end 
not that I want to, I could, I want to be Joe Rogan one day who can just do like a three hour podcast and people like hang on to yeah, every yeah, word. Yeah, Cause yeah. I, I love interviews. I love talking to people. I love sharing. And I mean, a few things that I just picked up from there. One, it's the importance of community. What's the number one thing we lost during COVID community. So no wonder yeah. that this became yeah. so powerful because women that I work with, it's that same thing where they, it's just this loss of community of friends or whatever it might be. And so it's, and also I, I just love that you're giving a safe space for men just to be men and whatever that means, because mm-hmm. I see so often with guys that I know and my friends where it's, they don't share, they don't get vulnerable with anyone other than maybe their spouse. And it's like, no, you, you kind of need the same sex to walk you through your journey at different points. I, I believe at least. And the other thing, like, so I got goosebumps as you said it, the fifth name and you're like, do I admire myself? And I think that's a Mm -hmm. question that we can all ask ourselves and, you know, to round every, Mm -hmm. all the questions. And it might've seemed like I went in all different directions, but really it comes down to this encompassment of, do you like yourself? If you don't admire yeah. yourself, what are you willing to do today to make a change? How are you willing to not only fail forward? I loved what you were saying about failing. That's an act going forward and making a change, committing to it. Part of your five steps, like everything mm-hmm. we talked yeah. about really can be brought in together. Like the puzzle pieces just go, shoop. Yeah, 100%. And I, you know, I was so excited to do this with you because of the depth of who you are and the depth of what I knew the questions and, and, and just what you would bring. And, um, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I'm, I'm going to bug you to be online now. I can't wait. Well, Alex, you have been (laughs) phenomenal. Where can people find you? I mean, I'll put everything in the show notes, obviously. And, and uh, anything you want to share or promote, please do so right now. The mic is yours. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You know, so uh I'm I'm Alex Weber is my name. It's also my handle, just one being Weber, and that's on all the platforms. Instagram. It's probably the one I'm on uh the most. And uh, you know, my website is the same thing for speaking in the book, and the men's group is called Men We Admire. And um yeah, I'm just grateful, Nikki. I'm grateful that you've uh, you've welcomed Thank me you. on. And for everyone listening, if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review. Five stars. It helps the show grow. It's really the only way to get new people learning about these concepts that I'm sharing with a great guest here. So five-star review. And please let us know what did you actually enjoy about today's episode? Because we went really deep in a bunch of different things. And I want to just thank you for listening. And until next week, here's to a sharper life. 